Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will, will live even though he dies. John eleven twenty five. This is the verse that we'll be focusing on today um, as we carry on in the series of the seven I am's of Jesus. And so far in this series, we've looked at I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, and I am the good shepherd. And this is now the fifth proclamation that, Je- that, that Jesus makes that we find in John's Gospel. And here we look at where he claims that he is God. By making these declarations, he's claiming, I am, I am, I am God. This is a verse that has so much in it and has to be read in context for the full picture to emerge of what Jesus is saying. Jesus in the conversation with Martha, the sister of Mary, and Lazarus, who has just recently died, And I want to read the full statement that Jesus makes at this point before we look at the whole context of the statement. So John 11, 25 and 26 is what Jesus says here. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This statement is made to Martha, but it's also made to each and every one of us. For those of you who are doing the the Simplifying Revelation course with me, you remember he said, like, everything written in the Bible is written to people. John's gospel is written to a group of people, and he's writing to them, explaining the life of Jesus and what happened during that time. It's written to people. And it's a statement that is made not just to Martha, but to each one of us as well. And the implications of the statement is something we should be sharing with those around us who do not know the truth about Jesus Christ. Our life on earth is but a short time compared to the eternity that we will be spending either in the presence of God or in condemnation away from God. Death is separation from God. That's why... We're all called to die, but we only die once, and that's a physical death. But our spiritual life continues. We live as spiritual beings. So we either spend eternity in the presence of God, or we spend eternity in condemnation away from God. And that's the real death, and that's what we have to share with people. The life that Jesus comes to give is the life to bring you back into his presence, into the presence of God. So depending on the, on the choices that you make, about Jesus Christ depends on where you spend eternity. Do you spend it with, in the presence of God because you've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Or do you spend it in condemnation away from because you've rejected Jesus? I want to read this statement in context of the chapter it's found in. It's quite a lengthy read. It's John's Gospel. It's chapter 11. It's not all of chapter 11, but it's about three quarters of it. Um, it's verses 1 to 45, and up on the screen it'll go through in three chunks. So it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. You only find this out in the next chapter. It hasn't happened yet in John's Gospel. It has in the other Gospels, if you've read them, because John's the fourth Gospel. 
But if you're reading just John's Gospel, you think, well, what's he talking about? Because this hasn't happened yet. It's mentioned in the next chapter. Okay, so she poured perfume out on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the, into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them, of them said, could not he had opened the eyes of the blind man? So could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? 
So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. This account is only mentioned in John's Gospel. Nowhere else. It's a fascinating event when you take into account what's going on, all that's going on. Now, before this event in John's Gospel, there's no mention of Martha and Mary or Lazarus. But they are known and loved by Jesus. You know, we can see from it that he knew them. He had met them. He had spent time with them. Lazarus is mentioned as the one you love. Very similar to John. Uh, John is also mentioned as the one that Jesus loves. And it's John writing this. But they're known and loved by Jesus. They know where Jesus is. And when Lazarus falls ill, they send a message to him. Now, according to chapter 10, the previous chapter, if you look at the end of the previous chapter, in chapter 10, Jesus has been in Jerusalem, and he's been confronted by the Pharisees, and he's dealt with them. And then it says, then he goes to the other side of the Jordan. So he's left Jerusalem, and he's gone to the other side of the Jordan, which is quite a way away. It's not just a short walk. Um, Jerusalem to Bethany is, it's, they say, under two miles. You know, it's like from walking from Coulston to sort of somewhere here in Purley. That would be the same thing. So it's a short walk. But Jesus had gone to the other side of the Jordan at this stage. And we don't know how long it took for the messenger to locate Jesus and to give him the message. But Jesus was in no hurry to head back. He didn't rush to get back to Mary and Martha and to go and heal Lazarus. So why did Jesus not hurry to heal Lazarus and make Mary and Martha happy? Surely he could heal him. He had done it before. They had seen him do that. So why did he wait the extra days and only then go to Bethany? And there are a number of reasons for Jesus to wait. I believe the most important one was that his father had not told him to go but rather to wait. And there was something greater that he wanted to demonstrate than another healing. John 5, 19 says, I tell you the truth, this is Jesus speaking, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Many of us do our own things all the time. And when we pray and ask God to be part of what we're doing, and we do things back to front. We wonder why God's not always in what we are doing. Where Jesus said, no, I only do what I see my Father doing. And if we are to live like that, I think our lives would be quite different. I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus said it was not a sickness that would lead to death, but would bring glory to God and to his Son, so glory to himself. When Jesus says it's time to go to Bethany, he knows already that Lazarus is dead. Nobody's told him that. There hasn't been another messenger to come and tell him, no, don't worry, Lazarus is dead. He knows it because he and the Father are one. 
And he can see. The father knows that Lazarus is dead. Jesus knows. It's a word of knowledge from his father. And by the time they get to Bethany, again, we don't know how long the journey took. Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Some of the commentators reckon that Jesus waited one more day. It took a day for the messenger to get there. He waited two days. It took them a day to get there. So Lazarus would have died you know, shortly after the messenger had left. But we don't know if that's true. That's just what some of them speculate. You know, I would think it would have been a little bit longer um, because you surely wouldn't wait until somebody's right on the deathbed to send off a messenger to say, you know, the one you love is sick. Please come and heal him. But there's a significance about the four days. Why Jesus waited and was, Lazarus was in the tomb four days when he got there. The NIV study Bible notes say this about the significance of the four days. It says, Many Jews believed that the soul remained near the body for three days after death in the hope of returning to it. If this idea was in the minds of the people, they obviously thought all hope was gone. Lazarus was irrevocably dead. So after four days, that's it. The spirit is gone. The spirit that was hovering over, no chance of getting back into the body, so definitely dead. There was no possibility of it. Oh, he was just in a coma or something like that. So when Martha comes out to meet Jesus, this wonderful interaction takes place between them. Verse 21 says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. It's incredible faith. So I know God will give you whatever you ask. And she hasn't said to Jesus what she would like to get from him or from God, but you know what you're doing, and God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. It's what the Jews all believe, and they still believe today, that there is the resurrection in the last day, when Christ returns, or for them, when Christ comes, for many of those today. And when Christ comes, they'll be resurrected, they'll come back to life. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. As I said, I don't believe Martha had any expectation of Jesus doing anything miraculous at that time, other than to maybe bring peace and comfort to her and her sister. She knew the Scriptures and believed the promise that Lazarus would be raised again at the end time. And she confessed as much to Jesus but she did more than that. She also confessed as to who he is. And so this is when he makes his fifth dec- declaration of I am. Declaring, I am the resurrection and the life. But he goes on to say even more. But I'll get to that a little bit later. Jesus not only declares that he is the resurrection and the life, but he also demonstrates it. He demonstrates it. He asks to see the tomb where they place Lazarus, and when he gets there, he weeps. He cries, he weeps. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Showing his humanity, showing that he was human. Jesus was both fully human and fully God, but this was showing his humanity. 
the human side of him. The grief of the sisters and their friends touched his heart, and he weeps, even though he knows what is about to happen. Jesus is weeping. The others are weeping and wailing. Now, if, if you've ever been in Africa and been to an African funeral or been to somewhere where there's a death has taken place, the Africans know how to weep and wail. Is it not so, Florence? Hmm? They can weep and wail. And, uh, you know, sometimes you think it's, it's really crazy, but the weeping that takes place amongst the people there, it's, it's a serious wailing. It's a real crying out from the, from the bottom of the, the depths of their guts, really crying out to God and wailing and weeping like that. We experienced in Malawi a, a number of times, if, you, if you're near funerals or anything like that, there was this incredible depth of, of crying out. And that's what the people were doing. And, Lazarus, and Mary was doing that as well. She was crying out like that. But Jesus, he wept. It wasn't a gut-wrenching one. It was like he knows these people are hurting and it affects him. And he cries. He then shocks them with his next request. Take away the stone. Which they do after some verbal interaction, a bit of negotiating. They do do it. He prays, and in a loud voice, he calls Lazarus to come out of the tomb. A loud voice. I suppose if you're talking to the dead, you've got to be fairly loud. I don't know how well they can hear when they're dead. But um, Jesus calls out in a loud voice. And Lazarus comes out, and I mean, sort of my picture is that he's like the mummy, sort of walking out. You know, how many that, what would be your image of Lazarus coming out of the tomb, um, out of this cave? The stone's been rolled away, it's dark inside, the light has now come in. He hears a voice, hears Jesus calling him, comes out from death, and he's still got his grave clothes on him, and he comes walking out. So Jesus demonstrates that he is the resurrection and the life when he speaks life into Lazarus' dead body and calls him out of the grave. He demonstrates it again later on, not long after this, when, after he is crucified, he's laid in the tomb. He conquers death and is resurrected and walks out of the tomb. Jesus did exactly the same thing as what happened to Lazarus. Came back to life after having been dead. And he walked out of the tomb, again demonstrating that he is the resurrection and the life. When we were living in Blantyre in Malawi, um, there was a wonderful old pastor that we knew, Gogo Nyakamela. Gogo means grand- grandfather. So when I walk, drive around here and you see these Gogo pizzas, it just messes with my mind a bit. You know, Gogo, Gogo pizzas are old pizzas. You don't want those type of pizzas because you know, they're old. No, that's not, not about that. But Gogo Nyakamela, he was a lovely old man. He only went into full-time ministry after he had stopped working for Malawi Rail at the age of 76. He, he retired at 76 and went into full-time ministry. When we met him, he was, in, he was in his very early 90s. He went on to live into his early... He was, I think he was 101 or 102 when he died. A wonderful old man. Um, and uh, he, he was an incredible ministry. He did amazing stuff, going into Mozambique when the war was going on in Mozambique, defying the, the armies that were fighting. They were told him, don't come in, don't send your people in here. Um, there's a whole lot of stories he could tell you that uh, we heard from him. who were amazing. But we knew that he had prayed for some people and he had seen people come back to life. He had prayed for the dead. And actually one of them was a young pastor who was, was there. He was 
I think he was in his mid-twenties, this pastor. When he was about six or seven years old, he had died, and Gogo had prayed for him, and he was raised from the dead. And we had a team out from Australia. There were a bunch of Australians that were with us, and Gogo was with us as well. And Jill said to him, Gogo, won't you tell them the, about the time when you prayed for this person, they came back to life, you raised the dead. And in all earnestness and honesty, he said to them, which, said to Jill, which time? Not because he wanted to know which story he wanted, he wanted Jill to tell them, because there had been apparently six people that he had prayed for and come back to life. And he, was, he just wanted to know which time, which story should I tell, which person. Not boastful, very humble, and he was an amazing, amazing man. But he had prayed for six people who were dead, and they came back to life. We met one of the young men that that happened. I don't know where the others were, but he was one of the young pastors that we used to work with down in the Shuri Valley. So that happens still today. That's still happening today. People are being raised from the dead. Today, God is still calling people out of death and offering them a resurrected life. And how is he doing this? Now, we see the answer in the rest of the declaration that Jesus made to Martha. He says, He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He finishes off the declaration with a question. Do you believe this? This is a question each and every one of us has to answer. Do I believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Can you answer the question like Martha does? Have you done it? Have you confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? We need to believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths, then we receive the resurrected new life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. That's what Martha did. In the world today, there are many people who are physically alive but spiritually dead. They might as well be in the tomb with Lazarus. And like Lazarus, they need to hear God calling their name. But they can't hear because we are not calling their names. God wants us, like Jesus, to call out their names. To call them out of darkness and into light. To call them out of the grave into a resurrected life. We are, too, we are often too quick to write off someone as impossible to reach. That God can no longer change them. But God can. He can change anyone. And there are innumerable testimonies of people who humanity has written off that God has got hold of and turned their lives around. And God is still doing that today. God wants us to call out the names of those who we know are in spiritual darkness, that are in that tomb. They need to be set free. We have that responsibility. It's called prayer, speaking to God about these people, declaring into the heavenly realms that we want to see their lives changed, calling them out of the tomb. 
We need to keep calling their names out so that God hears us and then He's able to breathe His life into them, just as He did to Lazarus, just as He did to Jesus. There are others who are like Lazarus as he's coming out of the tomb, still covered in grave clothes. There are things in their lives that bind them because they have not been dealt with properly. And I think Sam was alluding to some of that in her testimony that she shared this morning, that there's issues in her life that that she's still dealing with, consequences of things that she's done. There are bits of grave clothes that have still been on her, and God has been just dealing with those, taking them off, taking them off. They need to be dealt with. These are the people we need to come alongside and stand with them and show them the love of God, share the love of God with them. Just as Sam shared last week, people came alongside her and prayed with her. And there's a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough, but there's also the attack. Because the enemy doesn't like that. So there's, there are many people that are like Lazarus coming out of the, out of the tomb with grave clothes still on them. All, I mean, all of us still have a little bit of grave clothes somewhere on, our, on us. Because there's issues in our lives that we're still working through and dealing with. And we need to come alongside those people who are struggling. And if there's still things in your life that binds you and keeps you from living the abundant life that Jesus came to give you, then you need to ask people to come alongside you and to help you, to pray with you, to, to help you break through these issues, to take off that which is binding you. Sometimes you can do it on your own, but most times it's best to do it with somebody alongside you or more people alongside you. When you're dealing with issues that you know are pulling you down, that you're struggling with, it's so much easier to do it with others around you. And that's why God puts us in a family, puts us in this church, that we've got people around us. So if you see someone that's still walking around in grave clothes, ask God to show you how you can help them to be free, to be free of those things that are still binding them. Don't just ignore them and say, well, hopefully somebody else will see it as well. Oftentimes, when God highlights something for it to you about someone, it's not so that you judge them, it's so that you can help them. You can draw alongside them and be a blessing to them. And that's what God wants to do. That's why he brings us together. That's how he wants us to gather together. And if you're not sure that you can help or how to help, then ask someone who you think can to go along with you and to help that person so that you can learn how to do it. So it's a learning opportunity for you. Don't just tell someone else and say, please, can you deal with it? Ask them, can can we go and help this person together? Because I need your wisdom. I need your your help. I I don't believe I can do it on my own. I want to learn from you because I know you've got experience in this before. So use it as as, as as an opportunity to grow in God. If you're you're not sure, ask someone to come alongside you. We want to see everyone living a fully resurrected life. Grave clothes removed. And living in, in the fullness of life. Lazarus came out of the grave. He was resurrected from death when Jesus spoke to him. Called him out. Spoke life into him. God released his power into him. And he has that for each and every one of us here today. Are you living a fully resurrected life? Or are there things in your life that are pulling you down? Grave clothes that you're still carrying around with you. Or maybe you're still in the tomb. 
and you're waiting for that call. Today, God is calling you. If you're still in that tomb, God is calling you today. Come and receive the full life that God has for you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. That you come to give us life and life in abundance. You don't want us to live in the darkness of the cave. You sent Jesus to come and die on the cross for us, take our sins away, to set us free from that which bound us. You came and you died on that cross, Jesus. You were buried, but you rose again. You conquered death. And you now offer us that same life that you have, a life filled with the presence and the power of God living within us. That same spirit that raised you from the dead is here right now to take us out of that darkness and into the full life that you have for us. So thank you that we can do that. Thank you that we can come into your presence and receive forgiveness of our sins and be set free to live a life that is fully resurrected and full of your presence and your power. Thank you, Lord. Amen.